This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. We've promised him for the last couple of days here, and we've finally been able to narrow him down because he's a quite busy man calling the Vegas Golden Knight games on television. They've won seven of their first eight games. He's the former radio voice of the Boston Bruins. He's Dave Gosher, and he joins us here on Game Misconduct. What's up, buddy? Hey, Don. How you doing, man? I bet not not as good as you. I mean, you know, we you, you, you take this job, and, and I think just like any other uh, person involved with an expansion team, you kind of hope for the best but brace for the inevitable. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that dreamed that they'd turn around and win seven of their first eight games. I mean, just how pleasantly surprised are you by the way this team is playing? Yeah, it's been great, Don. I mean, you know, it's funny. We we uh, were taping our own podcast here in Vegas yesterday, and the first thing we got into, I said, all right, hands up. How many people saw the Golden Knights winning seven of their first eight? And there were no hands up, as right. you'd imagine. So it's, um, yeah, it's been unbelievable. And I think if you look at it, you know, kind of, a, you know, the bigger picture, too, Don, with what happened here back on October the 1st and, you know, just the terrible shootings over literally a block away from T-Mobile Arena there over at Mandalay Bay on the south end of the Strip. And I, I think that... Um, you know, if you kind of look at just, I think the team really wanted to try to help the community heal as best they could um, and give them a, just a, even if it's for a couple of hours a day, a little bit of a diversion to, to focus on something else. And it's hard to argue with the results. It's far from a cure-all, and, and I think everyone involved understands that. But, you know, you couldn't, in your wildest imagination, you never would have mapped out that, you know, an expansion team, first ever pro sports team in Vegas would get off to a start like this. And it's not like you haven't faced adversity. I mean, you, you can't keep a goaltender healthy right now. Flurry goes down. Subban goes down. Uh, I guess what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah, I guess so. You know, we had, uh, you know, we had George McPhee on our little podcast yesterday, and he said he's never seen anything like it in the first eight games of the season where you've got uh, three different goaltenders that have wins. And, you know, they had a game. To, the, the adversity they've they've hit certainly. I mean, it came kind of in bunches. The the only loss they've had was against Detroit, and in that game they lost Flurry to the concussion, and then Eric Halla and uh, Jonathan Marchessault were both injured, and it really hasn't affected them too much. I mean, they've been able to have other guys come in, whether it's been Oscar Zant the last couple of games, or Malcolm Subban come in and play well before he got hurt. Um, so they're into their third and fourth string goaltender. I don't know, just like every night they find different ways to win. You know, their power play has struggled early on in the season. Now that's kind of caught fire recently. Um, different guys up and down the lineup have been able to contribute. James Neal was off to a terrific start. Riley Smith's probably been their best player yeah. overall, you know, over the first eight games. But, yeah, it seems like they've found different ways to do it. Um, you know, they got outshot by St. Louis 49-22 to the other night and, and found a way to win in overtime. So, it's um, as I say, they've been able to – to find different, uh, you know, kind of a different equation to be able to, you know, break through and win games. Yeah, and I, I felt that really when I looked at the way that things were handled, I've always been a George McPhee fan, you know, watching from Rangerland here, of course, just seeing what he did with Washington a little bit with the Islanders. I thought that was a great choice. Uh, Gallant as, as, as head coach, they made all the right decisions there. And also the handling of the expansion draft, uh, just looking towards the future. But did you get a sense at all the kind of player they were looking for? whether it's character well, got, or a certain type of style yeah, yeah. that seems to fit? They talked a lot, Don, about they, you know, they wanted good people. And I, I think that even it was pushed more to the forefront after everything that happened here, you know, three and a half weeks ago. You know, the team really wanted to be in the forefront of being in the community before the shootings happened. And, you know, now they've been to, you know, the blood banks and first responders, you know, visiting with them and going to hospitals. And that was all – 
that was all part of the plan in terms of getting good human beings. And, right. and I think that even extends to off the ice. Like, I, you know, the people they put in place, and well, i got to tell you, it's been a completely new, new experience for me and for a lot of reasons. But, you know, to work for a team and to, you know, have a little uh, – have a little cubicle every day. I'm not sure what I do when I go in the office, but at least I have somewhere to sit. So that's a good thing. Me and Jay Knighty kind of laugh, like, what the hell are we doing in here? But it's, we like it. It's, it's uh, you know, to be around, um, you know, uh, energetic, fun, uh, creative people, um, you know, both be it, you know, on the hockey side or on the business side of it. So, um, as you say, they, they put a lot of thought into, I think who they wanted to be a part of it here and, and to be such a unique um, circumstance and a unique opportunity. And hey, look, at some point it's going to go the other way and they're sure. going to struggle and that's to be expected. But, you know, you only can deal with the president. And right now the president's been pretty good for them. You're talking to Dave Gosher, play-by-play voice on the television side for the Vegas Golden Knights, off to a 7-1 and one start. And, you know, being involved with the league during the the big expansion that we saw during the course of, of the of the early 90s, starting with San Jose and then going onward to these non-traditional hockey markets, you heard stories of people going to the games and not knowing the rules, and as an announcer, you were part teacher and part entertainer because you had an audience that wasn't exposed to hockey. I'm wondering, Dave, does that exist anymore? Has the sport gotten to the point now where you don't feel in this non-traditional hockey market that you have people that are uneducated about the sport? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I do think it's changed. I think you're right. I mean, I remember um, years ago, you know, going to uh, I think it was Atlanta, right? And they would, they would, the PA announcer would say, "That's icing. That's offside." So right. I thought, you know, that's, you know, they had a ways to go to educate their audience. I think in this day and age, we're, you know, we had some conversations before the season even started about, you know, we were very cognizant. We did not want to, for lack of a better way to describe it, dumb it down. I, I, I just thought it would be insulting to the audience. And look. Yeah, hockey's brand new here in Vegas, but, you know, you'd be surprised how many transplanted New Englanders and Midwesterners and people from Canada that live here because, I, I, quite honestly, it's especially this time of the year, it's sunny and 75 or 80 degrees every day, and the climate's great, and I think people that watch the games are, yeah, they're Golden Knights fans, but they're also hockey fans. So, you know, we've tried to kind of have a balance, I think, of, you know, Shane has taped some things, um, kind of um, some on-ice segments to – that we run, we're probably going to run here in the intermissions. Um, but during the body of the game and the, during the body of the three periods, we've tried to maybe subtly point out some things, but, you know, being cognizant of the fact that I, I think, you know, people know the game here pretty well, even though they've never had a team there before. How difficult decision was it for you, Dave? You grew up within that Bruins organization, uh, a New England guy. How difficult the decision was it for you to break loose from that, not just team, but that area, and take the chance going out west? Yeah, it was hard, Don. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was a tough decision, I, you know, and, and I looked at every side of it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, that being said, I think at the end of the day, I look, I loved what I did, you know, with the Bruins and, and doing radio. And um, if this had not come up and this was not presented to me as an option, then, you know, I probably would have continued happily doing what I was doing. I, I just thought that, you know, at this stage of my career, I mean, I, I had been doing the Bruins on radio for 17 years and, you know, had to just by luck was able to be there for, you know, them winning a Stanley Cup and almost winning another one. And I thought I had, I had been able to do a fair amount on the radio side and, and that maybe TV would be an option someday. But, you know, that being said, until two months ago, nobody else thought that. <laughs> no one else had ever offered me a TV job. So, um, you know, for probably, you know, for better or worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was from a professional point of view, I think I looked at it and thought, 
you know, I've, I've got a, hopefully a lot of good years left to do this. And, and if I was going to make a move, this was going to be the time to do it. But it wasn't just going to be anywhere. It was going to be in a unique. I looked at it, and the more I thought about it, it was just kind of, I don't know, it was too good an opportunity to pass up. So, And I've been pleased so far. You know, it's been everything. You know, it's only a short sample size. I've only been in Vegas probably six or seven weeks now. But, you know, so far it's been kind of everything I hoped it would be. All right, tests, right? They thought, all right, when the Blues and the Blackhawks come to town, now we'll see what this Vegas team is about. Well, they passed that test winning both of those games. Just looking at their schedule, Dave, I, I guess would you say the next test is when they come out east for that long road trip? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. That, I'm with you. Like when, when, they came, when the Blues came in here the other night um, and then in Chicago, I mean, going into the St. Louis game, they really the open of our, our broadcast was, look, this is the best team they played this year so far in St. Louis. And then it was, okay, they were able to find a way to win that game in overtime. Um, you know, despite Malcolm Subban going down injured uh, with about nine minutes left and having Oscar Dask uh, come in and, and win in a relief role. And then the next game was, all right, they get another, you know, powerhouse team from the West in Chicago to come in. And, you know, they were able to – I thought they deserved to win that game too. I thought they outplayed the Hawks for a large part of it. So, you know, they've got one more game to go. Colorado's here tomorrow um, to kind of wrap up this homestand. And, yeah, I think that trip, you know, going east and – you know, you've got the Rangers, obviously, the Islanders back-to-back, and then Boston. Um, and then I think it's uh, – and, and I'm not sure the order off the cuff, but I know a lot of Toronto, Montreal in that in that time frame. So, yeah, I mean, they've – you know, that being said, they started the season on the road with a couple of good wins in Dallas and Arizona. Um, but, yeah, this will certainly be, you know, the, the their longest stretch here away from home. I'm usually not a big fan, Don, of long homestands. Yeah, you know, traditionally, because I think it does the team good, right? To kind of get out on the road. Well, now we'll have a chance to do that. All right, got a couple of tweets. Uh, if you want, if you don't mind me asking you, um, sure. if we can do some of the tweets here, because I, I, I actually tweeted out that you were going to be on. Uh, Sage wants to know: Do you think the organization regrets trading Calvin Pickard now because of all the injuries with the goaltenders? Yeah, it's a good question. I, and uh, you know, I, I do think. Uh, I guess the answer would be: It's easy to look at it now and say, well, could. You know, if you could undo it, would you undo it? I, I don't know if they would, to be honest with you, because, you know, day prior, the goalie coach here in Vegas was very high in Malcolm Subban. You know, and I, you know, I, I got to, you know, quite frankly, I was a little, I looked at the, when they picked up Subban off waivers, and, you know, look, I spent a lot of years in the Bruins organization, and I saw Malcolm Subban's two starts he made with Boston, you know, and he was pulled out of both games. So I thought to myself, that seemed like a bit of a curious move, but I think they felt here that he was kind of an untapped resource and that they felt they could work with him here and that at some point he could he could play consistently at the NHL level. Now, that being said, they didn't, you know, the plan was not to get him in this quickly, but their their hand was forced, the injury to flurry. So, um, no, I, I don't really think they regret it. I think they, they felt they wanted to get somebody, you know, like a Subban. I mean, look, Flurry, if they're going to do anything here down the road and, and have a level of success, Flurry's going to be the guy, quite obviously, but... I think they, they were kind of ready to move on, um, you know, and get somebody like a Subban that hopefully, you know, he's going to miss about uh, the next three weeks anyways. But mm-hmm. somebody they feel can be a reliable backup to Flurry when they move forward. Kyle asks a very interesting question. Do you think Vegas's start has something to do with location, i.e. city causing distractions for visiting teams? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, uh, the Hawks were here for three days, right, before uh, – before they played uh, the Golden Knights. And, yeah, we ran into uh, a couple of the traveling party of the Blackhawks. I think it was on Saturday. We were, you know, a couple of us had gone out and had a beverage after our game. And then 
they had flown over here from from uh, Arizona. They had played the Coyotes, and I said, "Wow, you, you guys are here for what three or four nights?" And I said, "Yeah, you know." And but I, you know, I thought that initially, and then I read something where, and I had forgotten about this. The last eight years, Joel Quenville has planned a side trip for his team. It's kind of a team building thing to Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. during the season. So I think they felt they could handle it pretty well, you know. That I mean, that team's a They've been through plenty over the years, over the last seven, eight years. And uh, but you know, I think to the to the Golden Knights' credit, they've been they've been really good, Don, especially at home. Uh, fast team, hard to play against. They can be pretty tenacious. And you know, um, you know, you look at that Chicago team with all the star power they have. But you know, the Golden Knights played pretty well against them, to say the least. Well, to let Kyle know, and Dave, I think you can attest to this: extra days in New York. Extra days in South Florida. I mean, how many times you've been with the Bruins, and maybe you'll run into on the beach the team that's going to be playing the Florida Panthers next, and you kind of file away to yep. yourself. Okay, I'll, let's, that team's going to end up losing by six goals. <laughs> you know, so it's not just <laughs> Vegas, right? There's certain locations around the league where maybe an extra couple of days off there isn't the best idea in the world. I'll give you the one I like the most, and the, the, the talk all the time was that the National Predators should have one of the best home ice advantages in the league, right? And, oh. uh, you know, you can walk lower Broadway and walk up and down there and hear music all day and all night. So that was um you know, that was always the joke. They should be they should be almost unbeatable at home. And it never works out that way. But yeah, and, and I'll tell you the other thing I've noticed not while we're on the topic is you know, we've seen a, a great um you know, the Golden Knights fans have been fantastic, but we've also seen you know, uh, fans from other teams, be it the Bruins or Detroit or Buffalo or Chicago, whoever it might be, you know, why wouldn't you make a trip out here if you could and, and make it a two- or three-day trip to Vegas from a fan standpoint? And we've seen a lot of jerseys from opponents, which I think makes it even more of an electric yeah. atmosphere inside T-Mobile Arena because it's, you know, it's proven really to be a destination for people. It was, it was that before they had a team here, and now even more so. Well, Dave, I don't know if you know this or not, but you've always been a big help to me. I back up Kenny, so I do – well, now I'm turning out to do like 40 games a year. But when we first met, it was like 10 or 15, and you were always very helpful with your information. And um, I definitely enjoy working with you. And when I saw the news that you got the gig, I was really happy for you. So best of luck. You're entertaining me not just with your team but also with your work. So good luck to you and Shane Knighty on those broadcasts. And hopefully I'll see you at the Garden next Tuesday when the uh, Golden Knights are in town. Yeah, that'd be great, John. Always my pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks a lot, Dave. All right, that's Dave Gosher, television play-by-play voice of the Vegas Knights, Golden Knights, and just it's really one of the great stories in sports. I mean, you don't see an expansion team win seven of their first eight games and really just captivate the imagination of a city. So I think this this, this deserves a lot more paying attention to. We've tried to do what we can here on Game Misconduct to shed some light on what's happening out there. And he's right. Eventually the worm's going to turn. I mean, this is a very deep team as far as um, we mentioned it yesterday how they don't have a lot of weaknesses but they don't have a lot of great players either I don't think the structure of your team should be based around James Neal being your best player but that's expansion that's what you do you you collect players that were expendable in other organizations and you hope to draft well that the future can be bright it's come together I'm sure it eventually even itself out but still those points don't go bad the 14 points they have still stand there in the standings and we'll see uh, if this is a team that maybe can flirt with a playoff spot and maybe they'll find themselves in a position of the deadline to add rather than thinking about draft picks but wanted to get Dave on he's a really good guy got to know him in Boston I'm very very happy for his success out there in Vegas just two games on the docket last night 
Uh, Blues beat the Flames 5-2. to two. St. Louis quietly becoming the best team in the National Hockey League at 7-2-1 on the season. Of course, one of those losses uh, to Vegas as Jaden Schwartz just continues to really impress uh, with his seventh goal of the season. And also the Blue Jackets just thumped the Buffalo Sabres by the final score of 5-1. to one. And I get a lot of people asking me, why does Buffalo have so many national televised games? Well, because Buffalo's got a huge fan base. It'd be so good for the league if the Buffalo Sabres can be really good. But Columbus is just too strong right now. And they did a great job last night spreading the wealth uh, offensively as... They got um, Bjorkstrand with his second, Jones with his second, Felino with his third, Calvert with his second. Um, that is a really good, fun hockey team. A lot of people asking about the Columbus Blue Jackets and where their place is in this Eastern Conference, and I think this is a team that is really passed all the tests in the regular season. The problem with them is will they be able to perform in the postseason with Sergei Bobrovsky? It's not always his fault, but certainly you expect – there hasn't been that translation from great regular season to great postseason yet for him, uh, but we'll see if he should be able to get the opportunity. This team is good enough, certainly, to make the playoffs. Uh, let's go to your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game is conduct. Uh, Bronson says, Penguins do uh, they three-peat, or are the Capitals finally going to get over the playoff hump and dethrone the reigning champions? Well, here's the thing. It might not just be about the Capitals being the next team if Pittsburgh were to falter. This is what's got to be scary for the Washington Capitals is you could say that they're next. They just haven't been able to get by Pittsburgh. But what's Toronto going to be? What are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to be? I mean, if you were to ask me right now, if you were to tell me, whisper in my ear and say, Pittsburgh's not going to represent the East, who is going to represent the East? I'm not sure I'm saying Washington right now. Now, maybe it's a good thing that they have a quiet regular season and maybe take the pressure off, but Tampa seems to be better. I think Toronto seems to be better. So there are a few teams. We just talked about Columbus as well. So it may not be a foregone conclusion that Pittsburgh uh, will be next. Let's go to Alexander. Don, love the pod and your play-by-play. How do you feel about the Stepon deal? I mean, that's been a big topic now that the Coyotes are coming to town. Stepon traded away. D'Angelo comes back, and D'Angelo... Uh, is in the minor leagues right now. Ronta hurt. Uh, the Rangers wanted to deal out that contract. Remember, the Rangers are making a lot of deals. You know, they didn't want to trade Derek Broussard for Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad. I'm not sure they wanted to trade away uh, a player uh, like Stepan. It's just that you're talking about the money and you're tra- talking to try to work some things through the salary cap. I mean, you can't really say it's worked for the Coyotes either. Stepan's been solid, but this team hasn't won a game yet. The only team in the NHL not to win. And I think D'Angelo down the road is eventually going to be a guy that is going to help this team. He's young enough. He's just uh, off to a little bit of a slow start. I wouldn't judge the trade just yet, but considering that the Coyotes haven't won a game yet, I can't say that they've won that deal, and Ronta's been hurt. Forever TH says, team that will fire their coach first, in your opinion. Well, people thought DeBoer would get fired, uh, and the San Jose Sharks have actually played a little bit better. Uh, Elaine Vigneault certainly would have to be in that conversation as an underachieving team. Uh, Not that I'm hearing anything, but that's obviously somebody that's going to be on the list. But I wouldn't go there. Montreal, would Montreal fire Julian? I'm I'm hearing more that they would probably let the general manager go. Um, Arizona, brand new coaching staff. I don't see that happening. If you want to say that Todd McClendon might get go let go by Edmonton because they're slow, I don't see that happening at all either. Hmm. 
It's tough. I don't. I, you know, again, Phil Housley with Buffalo off to an awful start, but he's a brand new coach. Are they really going to fire him? Winnipeg just gave uh, Paul Maurice a contract extension. Wow, it's an excellent question. I don't know. I don't know. Really, that's an excellent question. And I feel uncomfortable talking about who's going to be fired, but those are the candidates, and it's tough because the worst teams of the league right now are teams that just either gave a coach a contract extension or just brought in a new coaching staff. I mean, you're not going to fire Rick Tockett after 10 games. I don't think you're going to fire Phil Housley after 10 games. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I mean, stranger things have happened. You saw Barry Melrose get fired by Tampa in 16 games, but that's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, Dave says, what is your view on the loss of Patrick Eves uh, to uh, to the um, Anaheim Ducks? Well, they went out and got him last year, if you remember, and, and he got hurt. The Ducks, to me, and if you want to talk about a coach that might get fired in Randy Carlisle, they have underachieved just a bit after going to the conference final last year. But Eves does hurt. I mean, they went out and got him for a reason. He's a nice player, and it, it just stinks that that, that he can't really stay on the ice. So to say it's not going to affect him, I think definitely it would affect him. Uh, Joseph says, is it ridiculous the Devils have had an entire week off and it's not even their bye week? Poor scheduling by the NHL. It happens because you have bye weeks, right? So uh, you've got to try to finagle a lot of things around and you've got other things happening sometimes. I mean, Steve Hotrapetros, who does the scheduling in the National Hockey League, is not just giving teams weeks off for favors or trying to screw them over because I don't think a lot of teams like the week off. It's just going to happen. You've got an odd number of teams now with the 31 teams in Vegas. Uh, you've got a, a lot of things that have to be considered and sometimes some things slip through the cracks. I think it hurts the Devils. Talking to teams last year that went on their bye felt that they got taken out of a groove. And to get, get and to be so hot the way the Devils are right now and then to just spend a week away from the ice and then you come right back and play back-to-back games, I think it can hurt them for sure. Chris says, if Kucherov continues this goal-scoring pace come Thanksgiving, should we take the possible 50-50 seriously, meaning 50 goals in 50 games? I don't think it's going to happen in this day and age in league. It's hard to even get team, get players to score 50 goals. He will slow down. I think it's a virtual impossibility right now for a player to score 50 goals in 50 games, really. I mean, back when 50 goals in 50 games were happening, I mean, uh, Maurice Richard was the first to do it, one of the greatest to ever play the game. But when the Gretzkys and the Bossies did it, you know, they did it in a league where scoring 70 goals was no big deal. I mean, we've, it's been it's been a long time since anybody has scored 76 goals in this league. It's been a long time since we've seen multiple players score 50 goals in this league. I, no, I don't. I would never ever take that conversation uh, seriously. Uh, five in the major says because um, he was talking about the possibility of um, a trade for the New York Rangers, and he says um, Vegas gave. Uh, uh, Shipashev's uh, agent permission to talk about a trade. He won um, and played with uh, Bushnevich overseas. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the Rangers trying to make that deal. A lot of talk about the Rangers trying to get Duchesne from Colorado. You heard EJ Raddick say it last on Monday. If the Rangers want to get a significant prospect, if the Rangers want to get a significant center offensive player, it starts with Brady Shea and... That's the conversation from other general managers. Brady, Shea, and. 
So are you willing to give up Brady Shea, who they believe in a couple of years is going to be their best defenseman? Now, you want centers, but you also want defensemen. And when you take a look at the landscape for the New York Rangers, Smith is what he is. Stahl's getting older. Holden and Kempfer, they are what they are. D'Angelo, they like him, but right now he hasn't shown that he can play with the big club. That's why he was sent down to the minor leagues. McDonough is McDonough, but he's getting a little bit older. So you look at this blue line and you say that Shea is the next guy. And so if you trade Shade away for a Shepeshev or you trade him for a Duchesne or you trade him for some big stud, you now are going to have to go out and try to replace Brady Shea. So you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't think the Rangers want to do that. Uh, let's see. We've got other tweets here from Jess, GSM Hockey. Um, Ranger fans won't want to hear it, but if team lacks enough talent to be elite, a quick tank might be might not be the worst idea. Look at Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin, Chicago with Kane and Taves. Imagine a Heedle Anderson plus a high first rounder. Remember this. Pittsburgh got Crosby because they won the draft lottery coming out of the lockout. So it wasn't a tank by Pittsburgh. They got lucky and won it. He could have very easily have been a duck. The Ducks ended up with a second pick overall in that situation and went with Bobby Ryan. But I understand what you're saying, that, that if you're able to tank at a high pick. That's why the Rangers aren't in the business of trading first-round picks anymore, because they went for it when they brought in St. Louis. They went for it when they brought in Keith Yandel. They've traded first-round picks before. They want to hold on to that. I get what you're saying, but again, if you listen to the Michael K. show, you know I hate the word tank. Rangers are never going to go out there and purposely lose. Plus, we don't even know who the first overall pick would be. Uh, from why, my understanding, there isn't that uh, McDavid, Crosby, Lindros type of situation anyway, so I don't know why you would tank. But the way you say it is is that if the Rangers do have a season in which they miss the playoffs and they end up with a top-five pick in the long-term health of this franchise, it probably wouldn't be that bad of an idea. But when you've got Henrik Lundqvist and you've got a lot of pieces that were good enough to make it to the second round last year and good enough to make it to the conference final in 2015 and to game six, uh, game five of the Stanley Cup final in 2014, I think the eye on this organization is to still try to squeeze what they can out of it. But it is not awful conversation to think that if this team were to miss the playoffs, get involved in a draft lottery and get a high pick, that it would not be uh, the end of the world. Uh, Guy says, all the best to number 21, of course, Derek Stepan. Rangers need a W. Do you think forward uh, vacant D-zone? Uh, do you think forwards vacate D-zone too soon in an effort to use their speed? Yeah, I do. I, I think that there's been a lot of times they've been caught up ice. I think this team wants to be aggressive. I think this team wants to use their speed. But what they're finding out, is that everybody's got speed. There was a time where the Rangers were the fastest team in the league, but now everybody's got speed. So when you make a mistake and you start thinking offense and you think that puck's going to clear the zone and you're exiting while they still have guys in the offensive zone and they score the goal, that happens quite a bit. Transition's important. And what the Rangers are finding out is other teams are very well conditioned, other teams are as fast as they are, and if your transition isn't perfect, you can get beat. So you got to be very, very careful with that. Got to go. Thanks to Dave Gosher, play-by-play voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. So thanks so much for him giving us a couple of minutes. They'll be in action uh, coming up tomorrow as they've won seven of their last eight games. Uh, take a look at the schedule. Tons of games tonight. A lot of important games to get into. Of course, the New York Rangers trying to 
get back on track at 2-6-2. and two. They're taking on a Coyotes team that's 0-8-1. The return of Stepan. Ront is hurt, but he returns to Madison Square Garden. Bruins and the Sharks should be fun. Leafs and the Fl- uh, Hurricanes should be a good one. Jets and Penguins from Pittsburgh. We'll see if the Canadians can win two in a row as they bring in the Los Angeles Kings tonight. Flyers trying to bounce back, and they'll be in Ottawa to take on the Senators. Lightning home for the Red Wings. Ducks at the Panthers. Islanders at the Wild. Oilers home for the Stars. Capitals in Vancouver to take on a red-hot Canucks team. So lots to go over tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll also have our top five teams of the week. And I have a suspicion that it's going to be a lot of Vegas and Toronto in that top five and the Lightning, too. So I'm definitely tipping my hand. But it's hard not to think of those three teams being in the top five. And you can send your top five as well at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. So thanks to Dave. Thanks to everybody for listening today. We'll be back again tomorrow. This was the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. On 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.